0: God is good, isn't He? He's good, isn't He? Amen. God is good. And I'm excited to be here. Who else is excited to be here today? Amen. God's got a plan and a purpose for you. And He has a plan and a purpose for this very day. Amen. I just want to jump right into this. A lot that I'd like to say. And just want the Holy Spirit to lead, and I just want to continue what I've been preaching about. This will be week four. I encourage you to go listen to the podcast. If you've missed some of these weeks, go and listen to the podcast. You can get on our website, nnc.faith, and it's also on iTunes, uh, NNC, No Name Church on iTunes, and go and listen to one, two, and three of The Setup. This series is The Setup. And it's about God setting us up. Everybody say aloud, God set me, set me up. And that's a good thing. God set us up. God had a plan and a purpose for you. The Bible says that he formed you in your mother's womb. Say, I was. Come on, let's just raise our hands. I was formed by God, not by man and woman, <laughs> not by their plans. In my mother's womb. Tony jokes that it took a very cheap hotel room to make him. He jokes about that all the time. And the thing is, God had a plan that was bigger than his parents that were too young and dumb to know what they were doing. Right? God had a plan that was bigger than that moment. And that's what God wants to speak to you today, that God's got a plan for you God has been setting you up before you even knew it. Before you even heard that, wow, God's got a plan for me, it was already in works. It was already in the works. God was already doing it. And many people feel like failures. I've been doing this series because many times we feel like we've lost so much time. We've lost our youth. And I've been saying this week after week. I want to keep saying this. You feel like you've lost so much of your strength Because God, he put a dream in your heart and you are excited to serve God. You're excited to to follow God. And then, then we get into this place, though, where God has been developing. He's been maturing. And that's the place that's not so comfortable. It's not so fun. But it's a part of the walk. It's a part of the call of God. The part of when first love, I'm going to pick on you two again. You're in the front row. When Tony and Linda first saw each other, it was first love. That's, you know, that's so fun and exciting, that spark of love. Then when the bills come in and babies are crying at night, it's a little bit harder. (laughs) It's harder. But then something begins to happen. Real love begins to develop. That's actually when real love begins. It was a spark it was the, 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 the spark of love, but all it was was a spark. It had to be developed. And the same thing for your walk, the spark where Jesus got a hold of you and said, I want to know you. And you said back to him, I want to know you. That was an amazing moment. And then to use that analogy of life, the bills started coming in. The devil said, wait a second, I had this person for such and such a time and I'm not letting them go easy. And you began to feel a pressure, began to feel a stress in your life for this new relationship that you thought, man, God's going to come in and make everything better. He is, but it's a process. Come on, God is, but it's a process. He's been maturing you in this church. He's been maturing you in this season. He's been developing you to handle the dream he put inside you. When we first come to Christ, we are babies, and that is nothing to be ashamed of. There is no condemnation for being immature as long as that is as long as you are in the place Where that is called for, a three-year-old acts like a three-year-old, as I said last week, a five-year-old should act like a five-year-old, and a 25-year-old should act like a 25-year-old. If a 25-year-old's acting like a five-year-old, then there's some maturing that needs to happen, but we don't judge each of them along the process. We just know that, hey, they're five years old, so we're going to let them be a five-year-old. And God is completely, 100% aware of where you're at and the stage you're at. And he is not judging that part of your process. We do as Christians, we judge each other because we see the surface and we see all the stuff. And the Lord's saying, just give me a moment. Give me some time. Why don't you look like I look at them and give them some time for me to develop them and to develop the thing inside them. Amen. Amen. But then finally, God does something amazing. And it's what I want to preach about today, but it took four weeks to get here. And I think the other three weeks are, it's so important. I want to preach those three weeks again. I want to just, I just want to preach them again. Because it's so important. Because I almost don't want to preach to you the fourth week. It's an amazing time when God God starts freeing you, when he starts delivering you. But I don't, I'm almost careful to preach it because I don't want you to jump ship. I don't want you to try to get a hold of something, and that's where I'm going to pick up. That's where we left off last week. Before it's time, you are right where you need to be. It doesn't matter your age. Everybody say, it doesn't matter how young I am. (laughs) It doesn't matter. That's not how God sees. God doesn't see in age. God sees in spiritual maturity. And he doesn't judge, again, I'm going to say it again, he doesn't judge you during that process as long as you're willing. He does come along and give some grades at the end of the year and says, hey, we need to pick this up, we need to pick that up, and it's not because I don't love you, it's because I love you, because I want you to continue to mature because I have something in you that I want you to do, amen. So I don't want you, and we're all going to agree that as I preach this fourth week, that we are not going to jump ship and and quit the maturing process. You need to be wherever you're at. I just want to excite you, though, that this is where God is taking you. Some of you are are already here. Some of you are going to be here soon. But many are still in the maturing process, and that is nothing to be ashamed of. Let God keep doing it. I cannot stress that enough. Let me say it one last time. If you are in the maturing process with God, do not jump ship. In fact, I am confident that you can't. I'm confident that God, if you are truly, if your heart is truly after him and you try to skip the maturing process and just become that dream inside your heart before it's time, God will not let you. And in fact, that's exactly what happened in Joseph's story. That's where I left off. I want to pick up. It says that God... Uh, had put Joseph, right? God had put Joseph, come on. God put Joseph in the prison. Man did it, but God allowed it because that's what Psalm 105 says. And I'm going to read that again in a little bit. But God allowed it. God allowed it because God was maturing Joseph. But then Joseph gets frustrated. He says in Genesis chapter 40, verse eight, remember some two other men get thrown in to prison with him. Who knows where we're at in the story? Who's been following along, right? Joseph was sold into slavery, then he was put in prison, and now finally he's been in there and he's ready to get out, just like we all are. (laughs) We're all ready to get out. We don't like this process, and it seems unfair, and it seems like why, and we can ask all those questions. We just need to let God do what he's doing. Come on. So, They said, we had dreams last night, and that's perfect for Joseph because he's an interpreter of of dreams. He said, interpreting dreams is God's business. And he said, tell me your dreams. In verse 14, he says to them, and please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. Joseph was trying to get himself out of what God put him in. But the Bible says, it says, actually, let me read verse 15. And I said last week, it was because it was the maturing. God has a maturing time in you. He's doing something in you. He's doing something in this church. He's doing something in this nation. He's doing something in the world. Come on, Jesus came at exactly the right time. They were saying for 2,000 years or 3,000 years, when is His coming? When is His coming? When is His coming? And then the right time came. And the same thing goes for now that we're saying, when is this coming? When is this coming? When is this coming? He is coming at exactly the time that he planned. And we need to know that. We need to know that God has a bigger view. And I want to just touch on that a little bit today in a a few moments. But he says, for I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews. And now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. (laughs) I love this verse. I love this verse because this is what we all feel like during the process. We all say why. We all, we all pass the blame. We say, it's not me. I did nothing. I had no, it wasn't me. This has nothing to do with me. I was put here. And, and, and I spent three weeks saying, you know, the reality is his brothers did sell him. But God was bigger than that. God was bigger than that. Had really, we're going to find out, it has nothing to do with his brothers selling him. God had a plan, didn't he? But many times, this is where we're at, and we need to just get through this. We need to just settle this right here, right now. Because the Bible says that, it says that in verse 23, that Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And finally, two, verse, uh, chapter 41, verse 1. Two full years later, everybody say, two years later, God decided that, Joseph, I've got two more years for you. Come on. We need to just be aware of this. You need to rest in God and rest in his timing, rest in his process, rest in him. We have to rest in him. He knows what he's doing. I'm going to be a broken record. I know that I've said that many times in these three years. That's just part of the themes that God's got for this church, that God's got a plan and he knows what he's doing. Amen. And it says, it says that they never gave him another thought. The thing is, if he had gotten himself out, where would he have gone? Just think about this. Let's just ponder this for a minute. Where would he have gone? Let's just say Pharaoh comes and says, I'll hear your case. So he says, I didn't do anything wrong. I was tricked. I was put in prison with a false accusation. So, he, so Pharaoh says, Granted, you can go back to being Potiphar's slave. Who knows the rest of Joseph's story? Is that, is that what you want? Sometimes we pray for things and God actually, because we keep praying and, and keep bucking against what he wants, there have been people who have broken out of God's plan and have gotten what they wanted because, because prayer works, even though it's not God's will. That's not what we want, is it? We want God's will. We want his plan. We want his plan. I don't want to push so hard that, that finally God says, fine, right? And we know the stories. I don't have time today. You can go look up Balaam and where God says, fine, but he doesn't really mean fine, <laughs> does he? But when God does it, come on, when God frees you, you're placed high above. Come on, everybody say out loud. I'm placed high above. So the Bible says, right the bible says we are seated with christ at the right hand of god right he places us high above and he connects us with the right people at the right time you don't want to just be going about and just saying well whatever I, you know it's you know there's there's what's a the big deal let god connect you with who and when and how and where because the bible says two full years later pharaoh dreams that he was standing and this is verse 1 Verse chapter 41, he was, he was standing on the bank and he has a dream. And the next morning, verse 8, Pharaoh was disturbed by the dreams and he called for all the magician, all the wise men. And when Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. In verse 12, there was a young Hebrew man with us, one of them says. Two full years later though, right? Two full years later, There was a Hebrew man in prison with us. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. Two full years later, I need you to get that today. Just rest in God. What is the rush? I didn't plan on sharing this part about it, but what is the rush? I was just driving home. I went away with my family for a few days this week. And we're traveling on the highway at 65 miles an hour. And I would just stop to think about how fast that really is, thinking we're going all the way from the Adirondacks back to Poughkeepsie in a couple hours. And the fact that it would have been a wagon for not that long ago, only 100 something years ago, would have taken you days And I just, the Holy Spirit just dropped in my spirit. He said, before there were cars, how did people preach? And it was such a revelation that I just needed to hear. I I didn't even feel like I was rushing anywhere. I was actually just sitting in the right lane, more this this trip than ever, just like whatever. there's a lot of traffic and I have a big, really long, so I'm just going to stay in the right lane and just hang. And it was such a revelation that, you know, just a hundred some years ago, to just to, for a preacher to go travel to another event took him weeks. Now we feel like we need, to, we need to go, 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 go. We need to run, run, run. We need to get on a plane. We need to get in the car. We need to do this. We need to do that. We think we're doing all these great things for God. And God's just like, slow down. That's the world's pace. And the world has a way. And it's like, get me out now. Get me there now. I want to get there now. I want to get what I need now. I want to be freed now. I want this now. And I want that now. And the Lord's like, wait a second. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled just because the pace of the world has changed. The pace of the world has changed, but God's ways haven't changed. One by one, people got saved, people got touched. Now, was God using the people racing around? Yeah, but maybe, maybe many of them are actually dying early, and they didn't need to. From stress, from running themselves bare. So anyway, that was a side note. That's, a, that's just a bonus today. But the Lord just wants us to rest the Lord wants us to rest in him. And Joseph learned to rest in God. He forced him. God forced him to rest. Really didn't have another choice. He tried his own way, and this finally, that's it. We're just going to rest in God. So God comes at just the right time, just the right way. And it says that, that Joseph, verse 14, Joseph was freed. It says, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. And he was quickly brought. Isn't that funny? I think that's a funny word here. He was quickly brought. (laughs) It's not quick for Joseph. It's quick for Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, I need him right now. I mean, when the time came, the time will come. There will be a time the Lord will have you rushing. And you'll have the strength and the ability for it. When it's time to rush, it'll be time to rush. Is this for anybody today? Just to rest in God. There'll be a time where it'll be his anointing for you to rush. I just thought that's really funny. Two full years later, but quickly they bring him. And uh, it says, and he, shaved his, and he shaved and changed his clothes. What a shame. Ah, sorry, Joseph. <laughs> changed his clothes. And he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Just like that. Everybody say, just like that. This is 13 years in the making. Everybody say 13 years in the making. And in an instant, come on, in God's way and God's timing, you've been prepped, you've been tested, you've been tried, you've been matured, and you are in the right place at the right time with the right people by God's plan. Psalm 105. I want to read this again. I've been reading this each week, and it sums up the whole story in just a few verses. Psalm 105 verse 16 says, God called for a famine on the land of Canaan. God called. That he there, capital he, stands for God. God called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then, verse 17, he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph. So God sent Joseph ahead, who was sold as a slave, which means that God knew that that would happen and allowed it because it's exactly what Joseph needed for 13 years ahead of him to be who God needed him to be. And it says in verse 18, and God was okay with this, This is stuff that we just need to get. We don't need to understand it, but we need to get this. Come on, Christians. God loves us. He told us he loves us. The epitome of Jesus is love. Jesus said, what greater love is there than to lay one's life down for another? Which Jesus did, showing us that he had the greatest love you could ever have. He is love. And so when God sent Joseph ahead in verse 8, when we read verse 18, God was aware of this. And we don't understand everything, but we understand that God uses all of it. He taught Joseph submission. He taught him to, that he, there, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to run. You could try, you know, you could, you, I could have left you home and you could have ran all over the place and just wasted 13 years of your life. Or you can learn from me to clamp you down. Come on, there's an amazing story about some horse. I'm going to find it for you, church, about some horses. Everybody say, (laughs) remind me (laughs) about the horse story. It's an incredible story. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to find it for you. I know the story, but I just don't have the time. But I, I feel like I need to bring that story and read it to you again. And anyway... God was aware, verse 18, of what was happening here. But verse 19 says something spectacular. Everybody say out loud, until the time. There was a time that was ordained. The famine was ordained. Joseph was (laughs) preordained. Come on, the famine hadn't even happened yet. In fact, you don't even, if you haven't read this story in your Bible, you don't even know about the famine yet. It <laughs> hasn't even happened yet. It doesn't even happen for another seven years. 20 years ahead of this famine, God sent Joseph. And you're questioning, man, what is going on in my life? Why am I here? Why has this happened? Why did this person and that person and this church and that pastor and so on? And God's like, you need, just need to hold on. Just, just take a chill pill. Do we need, maybe, I, maybe you need what Joseph, I'll put an iron collar, you're not gonna like that, but is that what you need? Because I'm looking 20 years ahead. 20 years from now, you don't understand this moment, but 20 years from now, you're gonna be thanking me. Thanking me. Thanking me, God. Well, he does, in fact, and we're gonna read that. It says, until the time came. There was a time that was ordained for Joseph, for the dream that God gave him, which put him in the very place he's in. Come on, the dream put him in that place. His brothers, because of the dream, put him in slavery and in prison. And the time came for God to fulfill. And it says the Lord tested Joseph's character. And in verse twenty. After the testing, everybody say, after the testing, Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. And Joseph was put in charge of all of the king's household. He became ruler over all the king's possessions he could instruct the king's aid as he, aids as he pleased, and teach the king's advisors. Some nobody who's not even Egyptian, this young Jewish boy who was a slave and a prisoner is going to teach the Pharaoh that would be at this time in history, the greatest king of the whole world, Egypt was the top of the world at this time and this slave boy is going to teach the king's advisors? Come on. How could Joseph have ever possibly, he could have spun his wheels his whole life just burning rubber trying to make it happen in his life, trying to make something and he, he could have done it in the name of the Lord, he didn't have to say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go choose the world. I'm gonna do it for God. I'm gonna go." I, God gave me a dream. You don't understand, Pastor, but God put a dream in me. But God put something in me, and I know who I am. That's fine. But let God's plan play out. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Does anybody? So Joseph, he hears the dreams, and he replies in verse 16, he said, It is beyond my power to interpret your dream. This is in chapter 41, verse 16. It is beyond my power to interpret your dream. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Joseph, through the testing and through the trying, he came to the place where it's not me. Come on, everybody, say it out loud. It's not me. The beginning of the story, his brother said, are we going to bow down to you? Listen to the dream I had. And he tells them about all that he could be, all that he could Would do now at the end of the trial. This is what comes out of a mature believer's mouth. Every mature believer. This is what will come out of their mouth. It's beyond my power. It's not me. Joseph said, "I'll be the first to tell you. I'll interpret your dream, but it's not going to come from me. I'm going to do what you ask, but it's not me. I'm just, I'm just a carrier (laughs) of a message." I'm going to have, I have the answer because only because God is going to put it in me. And he learned that submission. He had learned to submit to God. And it's not a fun process. There's nothing really fun about being a slave and about being in prison. But God used it to teach Joseph to be submitted. Jesus Christ, the son of God, went through the same process. Jesus said, I only say what the Father tells me to say. I only do what the Father tells me to do. And then you, you could quickly, you're saying, wait a second, but that's Jesus, Pastor. That's Jesus. Yes, but Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted in every single way that we are so that his blood, when he paid the price, would be fair. Which means that when he said only what, G- what the Father was telling him to say through the Holy Spirit, and when he did only what the Father told him to do through the Holy Spirit, that was a submitted. He was tempted to do things, and his that because that's the Bible. Because that's if we're going through it, who's been through that? Let me show you. I, I'll just let me show you what kind of Christian I am. Don't be. I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail. We don't need to show anybody anything we just need to be representatives of Christ and let Christ show people who he is through you he was tempted the devil tempted him 3 times to try to get him to get it in his own strength but he had submitted to God into the word of God so finally Joseph interprets these dreams and he tells him there's going to be a great famine for 7 years but he said but 7 years before that there's going to be a chance To save up, to store up. So Joseph tells Pharaoh that it needs to begin now. And so in verse 37, it says that Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, Can we find anyone else like this man? Who is this guy? Who is this Joseph this Hebrew slave? In fact, I don't have the time, but if you read ahead, you're going to see that even though Joseph gets elevated, the Egyptians won't even eat with the Hebrews. <laughs> they won't even eat with them because they're so they hated them so much and this guy is a Hebrew <laughs> and he's and and he says He says, is there anyone like this? Anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? It's a process to get filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit comes immediately and fills, but it's a process really rather for the Spirit of God to be evident outside of you. He immediately begins to work inside you, but the process is him getting out of you, letting him out. Come on, we need to let the Holy Spirit out of us. And it might not be in a way that you thought it. It might not be in the words or the plans or the purposes and what you thought. But God wants to get out of you. He wants to get in you first. He wants to do a work in you. And then he wants to get out of you for others. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, verse 39, since God See, even Pharaoh recognizes it. When you're truly shining for Christ, the world will recognize it, that it's, it's not you. It's not you. There's, this guy is obviously with God. This lady is obviously walking with God, and it says, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are. When did Joseph get trained in wisdom and intelligence, being a slave And being in prison? When? What Bible school did he go to? What church? I I, I want to be careful. I'm, I'm not going to say that. Where did he learn to be wise and intelligent? By the Spirit of God. And how did the Spirit of God teach him? By being a slave and a prisoner. So wait a second. Are you telling me, pastor, that God uses the worst time in our lives to set us up for the best time of our life? And if we're not willing to let God do what he needs to do in that time, we won't be ready. And he'll keep doing it for 10, 11, 13, 30. God's not limited by 13. Joseph just got it finished in time. 50 years, 60 years. (laughs) God will take as long as he needs to because the thing he put in you is so big. Come on, I need you to get this. We're scared to say these things because we've seen people twist. If you've been in the church, you've seen twisting, but you need to know this is the Bible. The thing inside you that God put in you is huge. It is so beyond you. The spirit of God wants to do so much bigger, so beyond you. We don't need to be afraid of it, but we need to go through the process to walk in it properly. But he wants to do something that's just, it's just beyond. It's beyond, 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 beyond. Finally, we know the story. If you don't know the story, he, is, he says, Pharaoh says, I'm, you're in charge of my court, verse 40. It says, verse 41, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land. He even puts a signet. He removes the ring from his own finger. <laughs> Pharaoh removes his own uh, ring as a symbol of power and puts it on Joseph. And he dressed him in, for, in verse 42 in fine linen and he hangs a gold chain around his neck, bling, bling. And verse 43, then he had Joseph ride in a chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down, exactly what his dream was. This gets actually played out. We don't have time. I wish I had hours with you sometimes. When Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt, and Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Who is this guy? A man that was willing to yield to God. God will seat you in high places, God will do it. Let him do it. You try to elevate yourself, you're just going to mess it up. You're going to put yourself somewhere that God didn't plan on you being, and it's always going to be lower. You might think you've arrived. I got myself out, but you haven't arrived. You've just missed what God has called you to be. Verse 45, he says, Then Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, and he also gave him a wife. And it says, Joseph took charge of the entire land. In verse 50, During this time, before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph. And it says in verse 51, Joseph named his older son Manasseh. Everybody say Manasseh. It says, because God has made me... Come on, everybody say this out loud. God has made me forget all my troubles and... Come on, say and again, and again, and again, and again. Come on, this is the end. And if we can't, we're not going to get to this place, then we're not ready yet. And everyone, and everyone, and everyone, come on, church, and everyone in my father's family. And I'm talking about your human father, you know, you need to understand his story. Let's get the context. The Lord made him forget the pain that was caused to him. The pain, the troubles, and the people who did it to him washed away. How did the Lord make him forget? We think that God has a way that's beyond our ways. God, so Joseph suffers because of what was done to him, and yet God is able to, to use it to teach him and train him and prepare him and mold him and shape him. And then God supernaturally says, okay, I used it to train you, but now that you're, that you're mature enough, we're just gonna wash away. We're gonna take all the pain, all the, all the stuff, and we're just gonna wash it away from you. And it says that he named his second son Ephraim. It says, because God made me fruitful in this land of my grief. That's what God wants to do in your life. This is the culmination of the process that he's doing in each and every believer. It doesn't mean every single believer is going to go and become Trump's secondhand man or woman, okay? Or whoever the, the king or the president is at that time. That's not what God is saying. This is not this is not about you becoming wealthy or you becoming uh, famous or it's just that God will elevate you to a place that is so far beyond what you could possibly imagine and, and so far beyond what you could ever make yourself. And the time and when he does it, come on, this is the key. When he does it it you know that you know that you know that it wasn't you you don't need the approval you don't need the bling bling you don't need the gold chain you don't need the ring you don't need the robes but God will even do that he'll even bless you there as just because he loves you but even that this story everybody say the story is so much bigger it's so much bigger has really this is just the beginning of the story that God is doing it's just the beginning. It's so much bigger than Joseph. Everybody stops right here. Joseph was in the pit. He got to the palace. God took him through something and made him something, and he arrived, and then that's it. He just rested, and, and he was free, right? No. God gave him rest. He had, he had learned rest, and then, he, and then he gave him. He learned to rest when there was no rest around him, but then he gave him rest around him too because now he could handle it, Because now he didn't, what happens when we get, when we get, we go on vacation mode, we just forget about everything responsible. But when maturity happens, right, we learn maturity, just human beings. Let's just push God aside for a moment. Just talk about just a human being and maturity. There comes a time where you realize, okay, yeah, I'm on vacation, but, but, and I'm going to rest, but I'm still thinking like, okay, I got to go home. I got to do this. When I get home, I got to do that. And, and really that's not necessarily such a great vacation, but that's reality because you become mature. When you get to the place where God brings rest in your actual surroundings, he doesn't allow it around you on purpose so that you have to learn an internal spiritual rest so that then when the actual rest around your life happens, you don't go into vacation mode and just say, well, whatever. You know what, God delivered me. He did something amazing in me and look at me and I'm so amazing and I conquered everything and I'm so great and I'm Joseph and and I'm the king's right-hand man. None of that. Because God has a bigger plan than that. God has a bigger plan than that. It says, as predicted in verse 47. Everybody say, as predicted. For seven years, the land produced bumper crops. God's plan is merely beginning. Joseph had to pay a price, just as we all should pay the price. We all should pay the price that God, I'm not asking you to pay a price that you don't have to pay. You don't even have to try to figure that out. God will figure that out. (laughs) He'll figure the price out that he wants you to pay. And it's not like you don't owe, you're not doing it in some sort of penance, not owing God, it's God maturing you and teaching you. But once the price has been paid, you have laid, he has laid the groundwork with you. Do you guys okay for an extra five minutes? I see that it's 1210, but I'd really like to take you for 10 minutes. Is that okay? Because so I want to finish this. I'm not going to let the devil from my ramblings go on. I, I need you to guys to get this today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So as predicted, the good years came and the famine came. Just as God said. Good years came and the famine came. But it says, in verse 57 of chapter 41, and people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain. They all came to buy grain because the famine was severe throughout the world. And verse 1 of chapter 42, Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, and he said to his sons, why are you standing around looking at one another? I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we'll die. The Bible says that the very brothers that sold Joseph into slavery, and now the famine has occurred. So this is somewhere in the the realm of 20 to 21 years later. Joseph is approximately 37 to 38 years old now. And his brothers, the very brothers who put him in slavery, are going to come. And you know the story. I would love to just read it all to you. I won't take that time. They come and they bow down because they don't recognize him. He's all probably dressed up in Egyptian stuff now. That's what it says. He was dressed like they don't recognize him. It's been 20 years. And the very thing the dream says, they bow down before him, just like the dream. But it wasn't. Joseph making anyone bow down to him. In fact, throughout the story, it's a bit of a story and I encourage you to go read it. It's in the chapter, it's in the 40s of Genesis, Genesis 40s. Read the whole story. It's a bit of a process, but it actually is breaking. (laughs) Joseph is not He's not watching them bow and saying, you know, he has the power at this moment. Joseph had the power as soon as he saw his brothers. And we already read it. And I read it to you on purpose. Pharaoh said, there is nothing, no one and nothing gets done without your approval. Which means Pharaoh would have never even blinked if these Hebrew people came. And then uh, Joseph says, and kills him. I really needed to get here because this is the whole point of this sermon. When God finally gets you to the place that He called you to be, the process He took you through was not so that you would appreciate what you have now. That's just a bonus, and you don't even care about it. You're thankful to God that he, that for all that He's doing to you now in your in your land of peace and in your time of peace, and that and you've been matured. But the story is so much bigger because His brothers and his father and and so on the rest of the family is starving even in this valley in fact Annie you didn't even know it I had a whole little paragraph just in my heart written down of the summation of these four weeks and it's the fact that Jesus is saying come to me all who are thirsty come to me all who are hungry Jesus ends up There's a time, and the Bible says that God ordained it, where there's nothing to eat, there's nothing to drink, there's a starvation in this very valley that we live in. People are desperate. They're so thirsty, they're so hungry. Now the story's interesting because at first they come and they try to come and they take some supplies back. They try to take some supplies home. And this is so interesting because that's kind of, I believe in this valley, the time that we're in now is that the, the valley has been, it, it, we're in a time of drought and, and they're hungry and they're thirsty, but they're just kind of dipping in. They're coming, they know where. People are just starting to come into the churches and starting to grab a hold of something, trying to take something back home with them, but there's just not enough sustenance. It's not a solo Christianity. You can't do it solo. But God has set those that have stayed, who knows brothers and sisters that have left the church. Many, many, many. I know so many. It's unbelievable how many. My, my childhood, I would say 95% of the youth that I grew up with who probably and said, and I don't need to, <laughs> whatever. Actually, I'm going to leave that there. of the youth that I went to church with is gone in the world. And so many churches, I've been through many, many, many churches since then. Many. And I've watched so many come and go. But God's bringing them back. God's causing a spiritual drought on purpose. And you who stayed don't get in pride. Don't look at your brothers and sisters who are coming back in pride. We need to get rid of all of the junk. The Lord's been doing it. He's been diligent to do it. Who knows we've been going through that. (laughs) Diligent to get all the past, the people. Come on. It's the person that matters. It's the people who matter. God loves his people. And he loves all of those that sold you into slavery. God loves everyone that lied to you. God loves all the people that abused you. God loves every single one that hurts you. God loves every pastor who promised and then didn't fulfill the promise that so he said. God loves them just as much as he loves you. And what the Lord is looking for is a return. The Lord's going to do it. You're going to start to see. I believe it's already beginning. People are going to start returning to the church, returning to the churches. And what we need to be right now is God is, God's, many of you are going to start to, God's going to start to free you from the stuff that you've been in. He's going to free you. Many are still in the process. Just let the process just keep occurring. Just let it keep going. Just let it keep going. I'm going to say it again. I started the sermon with that. Don't skip. Don't jump. And don't look at others. Don't look at anybody else in this church or those coming in. Don't look at anyone else and judge them by your own life or some sort of standard that we create. Look through Christ's eyes. Is this making any sense? I'm closing. I'm coming to a close here. Joseph breaks. It says in chapter 45, verse 2, he broke down and wept. And he wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. Verse 3, he said, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. And he said, is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So he came, they came closer and he said, again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. So he tells them, he tells them, you sold me into slavery, but he's, he has zero, zero of his flesh left because he says, he said, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Wow. Those that have stayed faithful to God, those that have stayed that God has been working on and doing, the Lord's going to bring others in and we need to let God finish what he's doing so that we have the heart that says, I love you. I don't judge you. I could kill you right now. You know, you can kill people with your words. You can cut them right down, and it's more painful than a death, physical death, but I love you. And it says, God sent me ahead of you, verse seven, to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. God sent me here, not you. He emphasizes it again in verse eight. God sent me here. It was God. Everything that was done to you, all the hurts, all the pains, all the stuff, God allowed it because it has created a true Christ, a true Christian, a true believer, a mature believer. And finally, as we know the story, Pharaoh hears this story and he says, I want you to come and he says verse 18, I want you to give them the very best of the land. Come on God wants to restore so many things that were lost, so many things that were broken, so many things that were destroyed in this valley God is restoring. We have to be mature enough so that as they come we love them and don't judge them and God wants to give them. He says, I want to give them not Joseph, not us, not who, the ones who paid the price. I wanna give them the very best. Give them the very best. God wants to give them the very best, amen, amen, amen. And look at I kept you, see I got one minute left. I'm watching that clock, it's been, it's been nine minutes. You see this right here? This was on the ground as I walked in. There's such simple things of God that are so amazingly beautiful. But do you know this whole thing, most, 95% of this is, is not really anything. It has one purpose. This thing flies off the tree. This little helicopter part, right? We call them helicopters. It spins down to the, to the ground. And all of that disintegrates, but there's a tiny little seed inside that's going to go in the ground. And that's what we are. This is us. We look beautiful and the Lord loves us. It doesn't mean that you're not important. It's not like I just want to get past you so I can get to more people. But God is using you as a tool to put a seed in the ground. You're paying a price. Keep paying the price because it's so beyond millions upon millions upon millions. We don't even know the number of Jews today, including myself (laughs) and Jeannie. Which she's so proud of, checking our DNA. Just found out I have some a little tiny, little tiny portion. So even me, because of Joseph, that's just that's beyond me. That is so big. God is so big. That means that I wouldn't, somebody wouldn't have been here from one person. If Joseph didn't pay the price, and it doesn't matter how much I have, because somebody along the line was Jewish. That means that Jewish person wouldn't exist. Come on, guys. you realize how big God is? His plan is? Let's stand. And I just want to honor this is tomorrow's is Memorial Day. Just want to honor all of those. Just like Joseph, they've paid a tremendous price for us. That's really the picture of a soldier. It's really the picture. I just want to honor them, those men and women. I just can't help but think of George Washington who seems like, you know, 200-some years ago, he couldn't possibly imagine what this nation, the freedoms that we still have in this nation because of the price he paid. Pay the price. Let God do what he's doing in you. It's so bigger and beyond you, and he'll bless you and he'll take care of you, but it's so much more than that. It's so much bigger. Amen? We just thank you, God. We just praise you, God. And Lord, we just pray a prayer for this whole valley. Lord, keep doing what you're doing in us so that we're ready, Lord, for those in our lives, Lord, that you want us to welcome back. Lord, all of those that have used and abused us and hurt us, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you dig down deep in us and pull out every root of bitterness that the devil, he cannot get it planted. It's been trying, it's been floating around, but I thank you, Lord, for removal of that thing in us in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we just thank you. We pray right now a prayer, Lord, for every spiritual soldier, Lord, and every physical soldier that is still fighting right now, Lord. We just pray. We thank you, Lord, for all the prices, Lord, including your blood that has been paid for us. We remember that in this time, Lord. We remember That the freedom we have as Christians, the freedom we have in this nation, Lord, was by many, many, many men and women, Lord. Some with guns and some with Bibles, Lord, paying a price for us. And we thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you honor and glory, Lord. We give our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.